So we're in a message series called Spiritual Warfare, and that's what we are facing in America today. The Bible teaches that as believers, we are in a battle against unseen evil forces. We're not battling flesh and blood. We are in a battle against uh, Satan and his forces. Behind every conflict in the world, whether it's an armed conflict or, or just some type of cultural battle between right and wrong, is spiritual warfare, invisible uh, demonic beings. The recent Supreme Court decision legalizing same-sex marriage is an example of this unseen battle coming out into the open. Isaiah 5.20, you can follow along in the white pages in the middle of your bulletin, has the scriptures written out. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And so in this recent decision, what the Bible clearly calls evil uh, has been celebrated as good. And so the institution of marriage was created by God. It's been now perverted by applying that concept to unholy unions that have really nothing to do with marriage as instituted by God at all. Proverbs 17.15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. And so when our appointed justices or judges justify and promote sinful lifestyles, when they condemn those who follow God's truth, it's an abomination to the Lord. And what happens with abominations to the Lord? Well, judgment follows. And so we need to be in prayer that God's truth would prevail in our country. God's word is truth. True believers follow the truth in all of God's word. And when Jesus Christ changes a heart, when someone becomes born again, when they become a new creation in Christ, then they begin to truly understand what is true and what is false. Then they begin to understand what is blessed and what is cursed. And so, as believers, as a church, we continue to proclaim the truth in love, that people may repent, put their faith in Jesus Christ, hearts will change, and ultimately Society will change as well. Now today our message is entitled, Facing Temptation. So an important aspect of spiritual warfare comes down to how you and I face temptation in our lives. Temptations of the evil one. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so it's God who allows temptations to come into our lives. They're tests, they're trials to see whether we're going to be faithful to God or not. With God's help, we can be victorious when we face temptation. Now the nation of Israel in, in the Old Testament was tested by God for 40 years in the desert. 40 years they were tested and tried to see whether they would obey or disobey God. Hebrews 3, 8, 9 says, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. Now Israel was tested and tried in the desert. They failed the test. All except two perished in the desert. Today we're going to see how Jesus passed the test. He spent 40 days in the wilderness. How he resisted temptation. We're going to learn how to face temptations in our lives and stand strong in the face of them. 
First thing we need to do is to trust God to provide for our needs. Our story begins in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now the first thing that strikes me about this verse is that it was the Spirit of God, it was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the desert to be tempted. And so God is never surprised at Satan's tactics. So, oh, there's the devil in the wilderness. What am I going to do now? No, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, why would God lead Jesus to be tempted? Well, first of all, the Scripture teaches and records that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like you and I. And yet, he never sinned. And so today, we're going to look at some temptations that Jesus faced. Temptations that are similar to the temptations that we face. And so we can learn from his example. How did he face temptation? How did he stand strong? And so God allowed him to be tempted and tested as an example for us. Secondly, Jesus never ran from a battle. He faced the toughest temptations from Satan that were possible, and he emerged victorious. He didn't give an inch. In the time that Jesus was in the desert, before Satan came, he was fasting and praying for 40 days, not eating anything. And so at the end of that time, obviously, he was hungry, he was weak. And that's the time that Satan's temptations are the strongest. When we're weak and we have unmet needs, he was hungry. So let's see how Jesus resisted Satan's temptation to ignore God. The tempter came to him, came to Jesus, and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God. It might, the scripture might be better translated here, Since you are the Son of God, change these stones into bread. Could Jesus have made bread from the stones? Of course. Of course he could have. Later in his ministry, Jesus fed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread. He created bread from nothing. So he certainly could have turned stones into bread. What was wrong with Satan's temptation? Well, the essence of Satan's temptation was for Jesus to ignore God, to ignore the Holy Spirit, to take things into his own hands and to meet his own needs supernaturally. Later in his ministry, Jesus said that he only did what he saw the Father doing. In other words, everything he did, everything he said, was in direct connection with God. God directing and guiding him in his ministry on earth. And so the Spirit was not leading him to make bread from stones. Satan was tempting him to do it, but Jesus was not about to follow Satan's leading. He was going to follow God's word to, to provide for him for provision. So Jesus answered, verse 4, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus responded to temptation with a scripture. It was taken from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. This passage refers to, the Israel's, to Israel's wandering in the desert for 40 years. And how was Israel fed in the desert? Manna came down from heaven. God provided Whatever they needed. 
supernaturally. In other words, Jesus was saying he was not living his life simply to meet his physical needs. That was not his highest priority in life. His life was based on and provided for by the very Word of God. Whatever God spoke was his provision. Now in this passage, the Greek word for word, every word that comes from the mouth of God is not logos. That refers to the written word of God. But the Greek word rhema, which refers to the spoken word of God, spoken at the moment of need. And so Jesus was not going to follow the devil's temptation. He was going to listen for God's guidance, listen for God's word, and follow that rather than simply being out for himself. So how are we tempted like Jesus was in this instance? We all have needs, don't we? And we have wants that we sometimes confuse for needs as well. But God has a plan to meet your needs. A plan to meet your needs in a way that's pleasing to Him, in a way that brings glory to God, in a way that's in keeping with God's guidance to us in His Word. And Satan is going to tempt you to meet those needs in the ways that he suggests, in ways that are outside God's plan for your life, in ways that are outside the parameters of God's Word. All kinds of examples we could, we could say. Perhaps you have a need for financial provision. Your bills are piling up. Satan may tempt you to play the lottery, go to the casino. You know, we have a huge complexes here in St. Louis, do we not? Costing, I don't know how much, multiple, multiple millions, tens or more of dollars of people going there to meet their needs. Perhaps I'm going to win and all my troubles will be over. Or maybe Satan may tempt you to not give your tithes to the church because your bills have a higher priority. Trying to meet your needs in an ungodly manner. If you give in to Satan's temptations, you'll discover your problems will be worse and not better. Perhaps you have some issues in your life that are stressing you out, making you anxious, making you worry. Satan's going to tempt you to escape those stresses. Might be through drugs, might be through alcohol, might be through, I don't know, binge watching TV, just escaping, okay? Or something else. And if you give in, is that going to solve your problems? They're going to be right there when you come to your senses. They're not going to go away. And you're going to be less prepared to face them in the future, giving in to Satan's temptations. And so those kind of temptations tempt us to ignore God, to seek to fulfill our legitimate needs. We, may, we all have legitimate needs, but Satan tempts us to meet those legitimate needs illegitimately in ways that are not in keeping with God's guidance and God's word. Remember Jesus' answer. How did he face temptation? By using God's word. The answer to every need in life is to follow and to obey the Word of God. Both the written Word of God and the Word of God that He speaks to us through His Spirit, the guidance that He gives to us. Trust God to
to provide for your needs. And don't follow the devil's temptation. Not only should we trust God to provide for our needs, we must trust God to protect our lives. Verse 5, Then the devil took him, took Jesus, to the, a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And so Satan took Jesus to an unusual place outside of his normal experience. And oftentimes temptations come when we're in a new situation, when we're hit with something unexpected. And we need to be on our guard at those times. We need to resist Satan's temptation to test God. Verse 6, Satan says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And so here we see Satan tempting Jesus to jump from the highest point of the temple. Now, that would normally result in death, suicide, jump. And Satan then quotes a scripture for Jesus from Psalm 91. Psalm speaks of God's protection. Did Satan misquote scripture? Now, I've looked at it. It looks pretty, pretty accurate. He knows his Bible pretty well. Amazing, isn't it? Better than us. He got it right. And so what is the temptation? Well, the temptation is to test God. It's to choose to deliberately put God into a circumstance where we insist that he acts. In this case, Satan was tempting Jesus to jump from the temple, an act that normally would result in death. And he was testing God to see if God would send his angels to rescue him and just catch him before he hit the ground. Well, how did Jesus respond? He turned to the scripture Spoke of following God's word of faith. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, and it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now this quotation is from Deuteronomy 6.16. It refers to an incident where Israel, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, tested God. It was a place called Massah, where Israel grumbled against God. They grumbled against Moses, and they demanded that God give them water to drink. In fact, in Exodus 17, 7, it says, They tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? In other words, if God, you're real, if you're here, you've got to give us water to drink. If we don't see anything, then we don't think you're here at all. They were demanding God provide for them supernaturally to prove that he really was there. Now, to test the Lord is a grave sin. Rather, Israel should have trusted God to provide for them in his own timing, in his own way. And so here the temptation of Satan was for Jesus to demand that God protect him as he jumped from the temple. Now, how are we tempted to test God? How are we tempted to demand that he act in certain ways? Now, there are those who teach that we use scripture. We quote a promise to God and we say we demand that God uh, follow that promise. Well, we are not to demand that God do anything. Remember, He is God and we are the creatures. We're in no position to demand anything from God. We simply ask in faith. And we don't know all the circumstances. We don't know the future. We don't know all the things that God does when He determines His answer to our prayers. He always acts in a way that's loving 
He always acts in a way that's good. He always acts in a way that's faithful to His promises. And so, we are to be wise in our lives. We are not to voluntarily put ourselves in dangerous situations and then demand that God protect us or save us. Satan will often tempt people to sin in various ways and then demand or expect God to forgive them and to take care of all the consequences. But it doesn't work that way. Many people test God by praying for healing of a loved one. And if God doesn't answer that prayer, because it's often prayed as a test, they become angry, bitter, doubt the love, or even the existence of God. And so we must never demand God to act in a certain way in order to test if He's real. Rather, we follow His Word, we pray in faith, and we believe that God will answer in His way and in His time and not ours. We trust God to protect our life. Three, we trust God to fulfill our destiny. Third temptation, verse 8. Again, the devil took him, took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. So again, the devil took Jesus to an unusual place. Undoubtedly, this was some kind of vision. I mean, there's no either a vision of a mountain or his vision was such that he could see all the kingdoms of the world at one time. And so what was the temptation? It was the temptation to bypass God and God's plan. Satan says in verse 9, All this, all these kingdoms of the world, I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And so the temptations are increasing in intensity. Here we see all the kingdoms of the world, all their glory, the Satan offering to give them to Jesus. And Jesus never indicated that Satan couldn't have fulfilled that promise. He didn't say, oh, you can't do that, Satan. Satan could well have done that, given them to Jesus at that point in time. Now, Jesus already knew that it was God's plan for him to have all authority in heaven and on earth. He knew that that was going to come. But what had to happen before that came to fruition? But Jesus would have to suffer and die on the cross. And he knew that was coming as well. And so Satan was offering Jesus his destiny before its time, before God's plan for Jesus was fulfilled. Satan was offering for Jesus to bypass the pain and suffering of the cross so that he could have the kingdoms now. Satan was tempting Jesus to take the glory and not to have to go through the pain. But there was a condition. Jesus would have to bow down and worship Satan. So Jesus counters with God's word. We must follow God's word in worship. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. And so Jesus responded to another scripture from Deuteronomy 6.13, which speaks of worshiping God alone. The very next verse in Deuteronomy speaks of, or commands Israel to not follow other gods or idols. And so the temptation of Jesus was to bypass God's plan, achieve a godly goal, 
of being an authority over all the nations of the world by ungodly means, by worshiping and bowing down to idols. And here Satan himself was the idol that Jesus was being tempted to bow down to. And so Jesus sent Satan away, and the angels came and fed him. He didn't have to turn the stones into bread. God had it all figured out. The angels came and provided for his needs. And so Jesus trusted God to fulfill his destiny in God's timing. And so the toughest temptations are those where, where the end seems like a good thing. But the temptation is to get to the good end by ungodly means, by worshiping some type of idol. Now, as we read through the Old Testament, Israel time and time again fell into the sin of worshiping idols. Why did they do it? Well, because number one, they didn't trust God. And number two, they trusted the idols. They really thought these idols would do something for them. They might give them good crops. They might send rain. Uh, they might give them lots of children. Not bad things. But we are not to seek them through ungodly means. In the same way, we are tempted today to worship idols rather than God. Some people are tempted to make their jobs or careers an idol. They put them ahead of God in their lives. They think that if, if I just had a good career, it would a good job, it would solve all my problems. Is there anything wrong with having a good job or career? No, not at all. As long as it's submitted to God and God is first place in your life. Beware of temptations to trust anything other than God for your purpose and well-being in life. We must trust God to fulfill our destinies in his timing, not ours. And so Jesus is a great example of how we should face Satan. We should face temptation because we saw him facing Satan face to face. He always responded to temptation with the word of God. And so Jesus trusted God to provide for his needs. He trusted God to protect him and he knew not to test God, to put God in a, in a position where God had to act or you wouldn't believe in him. Jesus trusted God to fulfill his destiny in his timing. And so as we grow in our understanding of God's word, we'll be able to resist temptation and uh, in a better way. We'll be able to listen to and follow God's direction and leading in our lives. Today, if you're not sure that you're a believer, I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to pray a prayer. I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads right now. It's also a time where you can recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've given in to the devil's temptations in my life, in my life in the past. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sin might be forgiven. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. I commit myself to following you, to following your plan all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And for those of us today who are believers, let's pray that God would help us as well. Father, today we thank you for this account of Jesus facing some incredibly difficult temptations. We thank you for his example. Help us to be so full of your word as Jesus was, that whenever we're attempted, whenever we're tempted, we can have a ready answer. 
that we can resist temptation, the word of Satan, with the word of God. Give us discerning to recognize when temptation is coming and where it's coming from. Teach us to hear your voice so that we can follow your direction. May we trust in your presence. May we believe your promises. May we worship you and you alone. Forgive us for the times that we've fallen into temptation. As we repent and you forgive us, strengthen us so that we do not fall into the same temptation over and over again. May we let our light shine as we follow you so that many others will see that light and be drawn to a relationship with you as well. We pray, God, that you would use us to lead many into your kingdom, that many would become sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.